Hello, and welcome to Macro Minutes. During each episode, we'll be joined by RBC Capital Markets experts to provide high conviction insights on the latest developments in financial markets and the global economy. Please listen to the end of this recording for important disclosures. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the December 6th edition of Macro Minutes called Final Countdown. Um, so this is going to be the last episode of this year. Um, it's going to focus on near-term central bank uh, rate decisions and the outlook for 2023. So uh, we have the Bank of Canada on tap this week, the Fed, Bank of England, ECB next week. And how high rates will go, whether there'll be a quick uh, U-turn to rate cuts in 2023, and if so, by how much, uh, is a central theme for markets that's going to influence not only yield levels and curve shapes, but also will be important for uh, the currency market and uh, broader risk assets. So to help us navigate the uncertainty on monetary policy, macro, fixed income, and currencies, we're joined today by Simon, uh, who's going to cover some stuff on Canada, Blake on the U.S., uh, Peter on the U.K. and Europe, and Elsa on currencies. So to kick it off, I'm going to turn it over to Simon on the Canadian macro outlook. Thanks, Ethan. Uh, yeah, so I'll uh, discuss the what we see for Canadian macro, so give some recent developments and also our expectations into 2023. Um, so definitely we'll start with inflation. Um, so headline inflation peaked in June, 8.1%, most recently at 6.9% uh, for October. So definitely still elevated. What we would say and what we've seen is that in some of these shorter term inflation measures, so we like to look at three month annualized measures uh, for core uh, core measures, so both the Bank of Canada's uh, CPI trim and CPI me- median, as well as uh, more exclusion-based measures like excluded energy, we're seeing those three-month annualized rates moving sub 4%. So you know, while not uh, job done, it certainly is providing some uh, encouraging signs on inflation moderating and underlying inflation moderating, which is uh, exactly what the bank would like to see. Um, in, in terms of our outlook for 2023, we should see headline a fair bit lower in the first half of the year as energy base effects come off. Um, so, for example, it should have a three-handle in Q2 and then move sub-3% for headline uh, in the second half of next year. However, we do expect underlying inflation to be stickier. So, for example, we still see um, CPI X food and energy above 3% at the end of next year. Uh, one of the main risks to inflation, is, certainly from the domestic side, is wages. And so uh, in terms of the labor market, uh, what we've seen, if you aggregate since the, since the summer, you know, roughly flat on the employment side. And uh, in terms of the, the headline or the main employment report that's followed the Labor Force Survey, um, wage, wage growth has accelerated. So it's around 5.5% year on year. Now, what I would say on that is that other wage measures, and the Bank of Canada certainly will look at a suite of wage measures, are showing wage growth still on the concerning side, but not as high as that. So, for example, the productivity accounts at 4.5% year on year, and also the, the more lagged payrolls data showing uh, a fixed industry weight measure at around 3.5% year on year. So, while still concerning and still definitely the, the main domestic inflation risk, uh, that LFS measure is looking on the high side relative to other uh, wage measures. Into 2023, we do expect uh, the unemployment rate to move higher. It's at a historically still very tight 5.1% after last Friday's data. Uh, we expect it to move into more of the 65 to 7% range by the end of next year, which would still be historically quite low, uh, especially given that we do 
anticipate that we're, we'll have a recession in the first half of next year. So on the GDP side, um, the most recent data, Q3, came in stronger on headline, plus 2.9%, so really not much of a moderation from around or just over 3% in, in the annualized in the first half of, of this year. Uh, but the details were definitely soft. So, for example, final domestic demand uh, coming in negative territory, and that including both residential investment and household consumption, while net trade was really the main upside. For 2023, and really um, you know, where we are now as well, we're expecting Q4 2022 through Q4 of next year really essentially to be flat growth. Um, you know, we do have a, a mild recession forecast from our economics team in Q1 and Q2, but essentially it's flat growth, and there's no you know, big boost in Q3 of next year after that. Um, so definitely that softer growth environment is part of what should help uh, underlying inflation move lower as 2023 evolves. Finally, I'll just give some thoughts on the housing market. Now, definitely we've seen a fair bit of softening here over the past six to eight months. Um, both in terms of benchmark prices and also activity, so unit sales. Um, you know, our baseline expectation is definitely that there's more moderation to come. We've cer certainly seen a large amount of it, so benchmark prices you know, are down in the area of about 15% uh, from the peak, uh, but still uh, you know, well above pre-pandemic levels. Uh, so we do expect some moderation to come, especially how, given how rate hikes flow through into mortgage costs. Uh, and, and impact households, but um, that's something to watch in terms of the timing uh, into next year, but certainly uh, some more moderation to come from the housing market. And with that, uh, I'll turn it back to Jason. Okay, thanks a lot, Simon. So I'm going to discuss the Bank of Canada policy next. Um, so obviously the key near-term event for Canada is the Bank of Canada meeting on December the 7th. We do expect a 25 basis point rate hike, uh, bringing the policy rate up to 4%. From a probability perspective, we give a 70% chance to a 25 basis point move and a 30% chance uh, to a 50 basis point hike. So from our lens, another step, step down does uh, make sense. Uh, the data softening, as Simon mentioned, uh, housing is slowing. Uh, domestic demand has been weak. And I would say also for reference, uh, consensus is relatively uh, split as far as this Bank of Canada meeting. Uh, but most of the uh, major local banks are in the camp of a 50 basis point hike while the market pricing is favoring a 25 basis point move. Um, I think importantly in past policy statements, the bank said that the policy interest rate will need to rise further. And this time they could you know, possibly soften the language a bit by saying uh, rates may or likely will need to rise further. And this could provide them with optionality for the January meeting uh, between a no change and a 25 basis point move. Um, I think also importantly, uh, the meeting this week, it's not going to indicate a pause in the tightening cycle. Uh, they're not going to tell us that until they're finished, um, basically until the meeting where they do not deliver um, a rate hike. Um, so the last thing that they want is a preemptive easing in financial uh, conditions to occur. Um, so our base case scenario is that this is going to be the last hike in the cycle, with terminal being at 4%. Realistically, it could be a four and a quarter, so there could be a residual uh, 25 basis points in January. Um, and there's a less likely chance uh, the policy rate getting to uh, four and a half. Um, but if we're wrong on the 4% terminal, it's probably going to be because the bank elongates the uh, cycle with additional uh, 25 basis point moves early in 2023 instead of doing a 50 basis point uh, hike this week, in our opinion. Now, looking into 2023, um, you know, our forecasts do assume that once uh, the bank reaches uh, terminal, 
that this level is going to be maintained throughout 2023, and we give this a 60% chance. Uh, the next most likely outcome is uh, rate cuts in the second half of the year, which we give a 25% probability to. These would most likely be uh, corrective cuts from very restrictive territory uh, to a lower level that's still um, above neutral. And you know, also in that context for next year, uh, the chance of rate cuts in the first half of the year are very, very low. And if anything, it would be a second half uh, story. Uh, the least likely scenario from our lens is rates getting um, above 4.5%, either through the current hiking cycle extending longer and farther, or uh, by the Bank of Canada pausing in the rate hiking cycle and then um, hiking uh, kind of later on. So we don't think that that situation is the most likely. And again, um, the most uh, likely, in our opinion, is uh, the policy rate uh, staying at a high level throughout 2023, and the second most likely is some corrective cuts in the second half of next year. Um, so next up is Blake to tell us about the Fed and the U.S. bond market. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, so, you know, look, when we look ahead at 2023, we, we really see it kind of divided into two parts at this point of, of uh, a very indeterminate length. The first uh, we really see is kind of a carryover of 2022, meaning inflation remains high, terminals still potentially moving higher, uh, you know, the curve is still hitting new extremes of inversion. Uh, any kind of rallies, steepening of the curve are very fragile, easily undone by inflation beats or hawkish Fed developments. And uh, against that backdrop duration, demand remains sidelined and um, the pain trade likely still remains flatteners. Um, at some point, though, we do move into kind of a second phase of 2023, which we see as kind of the, the, the real 2023, if you will. Um, and that's where, you know, we, we've got a Fed on hold and the market can really uh, uh, more fully turn their focus from uh, this terminal story to the cutting cycle in the shape of, you know, any economic slowdown that does pick up in the year. Um, you know, the real questions there will be, you know, when does the cutting cycle start? How aggressive is it? What level does the Fed kind of reach a steady state? Um, those are the kind of questions that will determine, uh, you know, the shape and uh, the shape of the curve and, and, and direction of yield moves. Um, you know, for our part, we see a period of relatively tepid, but uh, not exactly terrible growth, moderate inflation, uh, modestly rising unemployment, um, and all of that will serve to push rates lower and the curve steeper. Um, you know, but the question looking ahead is really, you know, how do we move from this carryover uh, of 2022, this first part, uh, to the second part? Um, you know, markets really need a clearing event um, that gives them the green light to move more fully into that second stage. Um, our expectation is that comes relatively soon. Um, you know, we see a continued uh, a continuation of the uh, the moderating inflation that we saw in October, um, and we think the Fed's uh, going to continue further setting up a pause. Um, you know, a terminal rate in the kind of five to five twenty five percent range by the end of Q1. Um, that would be consistent with step down to fifty at the December meeting, which is all but uh, you know all but locked in at this point. Another fifty at the February meeting. Uh, a step down to 25 in March, and then uh, a pause thereafter. Um, you know, given that uh, a Fed outlook, um, you know, in our year ahead, uh, we tried to recommend positions that were more focused on the kind of post-terminal, longer-term second half of 2023, but that still tried to offer some reduction in exposure to a higher terminal, prolonged Fed hiking cycle, um, you know, until that clearing event that we're looking for comes. You know, hopefully that occurs within the next several months, but um, should that get pushed out, you know, that could offer, that could present a lot of risk to the kind of trades you would like uh, uh, for the uh, second part of 2023, you know, curve steepeners, um, you know, uh, long rates views, et cetera. Um, 
you know, next week, I think uh, we're going to get, hopefully, a, a fair amount of clarity on that front. Uh, we've got CPI on Tuesday, FOMC on Wednesday. Um, you know, this is going to be a very crucial CPI print, um, another low print in kind of the 0 0.2, 0 0.3 month-over-month -month core range would go a long way to confirming, you know, that a more, the more sustained slowdown in inflation that we're expecting uh, is starting. Uh, but, you know, if we, if we bounce back up to that kind of 0 0.6, 0 0.7, Point, even point 0.8 type of level, um, you know, that we've seen over the last year that would really reject that theme, um, you know, and make October, uh, that October print look much more like noise in the midst of, you know, a very still sticky uh, high inflation backdrop. So a very, a very kind of crucial um, CPI print for either confirming or rejecting uh, that we are seeing a more sustained slowdown. Um, and then the next day we get the Fed. Um, you know, keep in mind that this will include FDP dot update. Uh, and we have been told by uh, Powell and others that, you know, those dot, that dot plot is likely to show a higher terminal rate. But what we don't really know is how high, uh, you know, how high that has been revised up. Um, you know, if, if it's in line with our expectations in that kind of 5 to 525 uh, range, uh, you know, markets are still pricing slightly below 5%. So, you know, uh, uh, there could be some surprise there. Um, and on the other hand, um, you know, if they are to uh, move up a lot less uh, than we are expecting, if they do stay uh, in kind of that sub-5% range, that would be a, a, a big shock to markets who I think are expecting something higher. Um, and also would, uh, um, you know, I, I think kind of move um, to give that clearing event to markets and kind of confirm that um, the Fed is not looking to, you know, prolong, you know, prolong the hiking cycle and continue uh, to allow terminal expectations to slide higher. So a big week um, next week, some data that I think will will really go a long way towards determining when we're going to move from this kind of carryover of 2022 into what we consider the kind of uh, a real backdrop of 2023 with the Fed on hold and markets really starting to look ahead and position for an eventual cutting cycle and, and potential economic slowdown. Uh, and that's it for me. I'll pass it along. Okay, great. Uh, thanks a lot, Blake. Uh, now over to Peter to tell us about uh, the UK or Europe. Uh, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Blake. So, first of all, what I'm going to do, um, given that this is the last meeting or it's the last call of the um, uh, of the year, we have still one Bank of England and one ECB meeting outstanding. Uh, we expect the following for the bank um, to raise rates by 50 basis points, for the ECB to raise rates by 50 basis points. In both cases, that's a step down from the 75 basis points that we've seen. Um, we expect a further step down going into 23, in both cases, to 25 basis point increments, which will see the peak at 375 for the Bank of England. And we expect another 25 basis point rate hike um, after February um, in, for the ECB to peak at uh, 250. Now, what we also think is going to happen, um, basically because the ECB has told us so, um, is that they will give us at the very least an outline of what QT in euros might look like. Um, we have um, put forward the thought that they will probably start in April uh, with a 20 billion passive QT program. So very similar just um, to, to, the, to the conduct of what the Fed is doing, um, just at a smaller scale. Um, keep in mind they are only targeting one of their portfolios, the APP, and not the PAP. So therefore the sizes are smaller at this stage. So that's what we expect in terms of the concrete outcome. However, um, I would also like to um, do the following quickly and run you through our thoughts, at least for the first part of the year. Um, we think that inflation, at least in euros, has probably peaked. Um, we had the first inflation print that came in lower um, than the previous month at 10.0, still high levels, but lower than before. 
Uh, and going forward, that's probably going to continue. Now, um, the market is expecting something like that, but if inflation falls sharply in the first half of the year, we think it's unlikely for markets to be able to focus where inflation will fall to. And the only thing that they can see is that we're coming down from these extremely elevated levels. It's basically a um, base effect story on energy. Um, but in this environment, particularly as we're probably already in a recession and as the central banks um, are reaching the levels that terminal is currently pricing or even stay slightly below that, um, we reckon that the front end of the curve should stabilize. In fact, that has happened already. Uh, what we're currently seeing is that the terminal rate in euros um, is stable. In sterling, it has even come down from the extremes that we've seen earlier this year. Um, but implied volatility, so expected volatility, is still very high. So we expect as the stabilization continues into year-end and beginning of 23, that um, expected and realized volatility will come down. And for us, what that means is that when you look at sort of the yield levels that are currently trading, particularly sort of in the spread markets, be that in SSAs or be that in, um, in, in pure credit, uh, that those levels are so attractive that by and large, um, the um, expectation should be that with the carry that you're accumulating, um, the adverse market moves that would be required to destroy your total returns would have to be very large, unreasonably large, we would suggest. And therefore, we have recommended as one of our key trades going into 23 to be outright long the short end of the curve, particularly in spread space in credit um, in the two to three year part of the curve. That's one of the things. Um, we also, as I just said, have recommended selling volatility, uh, selling, selling straddles, selling strangles. Um, we have recommended as an example trade to do that on the shaft contract uh, because it's quite liquid. So that's another opportunity that we see. Um, last but not least, what I would mention is that further out the curve, we think the situation is a little bit more tricky. Um, the, it's, it's unlikely in our view that the European Central Banks uh, be that the Bank of England or the ECB will be lowering rates. In fact, given that interest rates stay significantly um, below levels that we see in the U.S., the risk is probably if inflation does not fall where the market prices it towards the end of the year, i.e. near target, and that they remain on the hawkish side. On top of that, um, implied inflation uh, is relatively moderate um, relative to target in both cases, and we're going to see a fairly significant turnaround in net supply that needs to be placed in the market, particularly as the Bank of England has already started the QT program and the ECB is likely going to do so. Um, and that, in our mind, will also put upward pressure on swap spreads, which, by the way, is another key trade that we have on our books for 23. And therefore, we are not necessarily convinced that the same opportunity exists at the longer end of the curve as it does at the shorter end of the curve. And with that, I'll probably leave it, but I encourage everyone to read our outlook piece that we labeled from turmoil to stability and published last Friday. And with that, back to Jason. Okay, great stuff, Peter. Um, now over to Elsa to tell us about uh, the currency market. Thanks, Jason. So from our perspective, we published our 2023 trades um, on the 1st of December, and I just want to run through some big-picture themes. So as many of you will know, we've been long dollars for the last two years running now. Long DXY was our top trade both in 21 and in 22. And we thought long and hard about what to do with the U.S. dollar in 23. If you read Southside research out there, there is a very, very strong consensus that the dollar is going to go down. Um, almost everybody thinks it's a no-brainer uh, to just be short dollars into next year. And I think clearly um, there are many reasons why one would argue that the dollar could have, may have peaked. Uh, but with the information set we have at the moment, we'd argue it's too soon to tell. 
And there is a real danger that sell-side analysts are premature in calling the turn in the dollar, as they have been many times before. And like many things, like a stopped clock, they will eventually be right. But I think when you've been wrong too many times um, before eventually being right, it does lose its value. What we're looking to, to determine the direction of the dollar is some clear indication of how inflation is panning out, and we don't see that much value in piling into what is likely to be a very crowded trade in the first month of the year that may well reverse for the remaining 11 months. Instead, we focused a lot of our attention on relative value trades for 23. Some of the trades we particularly like in G10 space are long euro sterling and long Swiss yen. And then in a EMG10 cross, we've got short CAD MEX. A lot of carries still on offer with long MEX, and we think short CAD is a very efficient way of funding that. Within relative value in the Asia space, we've got long Korean won against the Singapore dollar. Um, another technical trade uh, from our technical analyst, George Davis, which is short CAD Korea. Um, and then really just rounding it out with a short CFETS basket from our Asia strategist, Alvin Tan. So a lot of relative value themes to play for. I think on the dollar front, we may well have a signal within the first few months of the year. But one of the last trades we've added to our list is our January reversal trade. And I think this is really highlighting how we think markets are in danger of trading for the year ahead, which is that people pile into some very crowded positions in the first month. Those get overextended. And then typically, if you do the complete opposite through February and March, you have both a very high hit ratio and a very positive return over the long run. I'll leave it there, um, but do encourage you to look at our total effects piece and come back to us with any questions. It is a place where we are differentiating ourselves from the rest of the sell side. We think there's a very valuable conversation to be had, both around the dollar and around the relative value trades within FX. Over to you, Jason. Okay, thank you everybody for joining this edition of Macro Minute. Uh, 2023 could uh, turn out to be as challenging as 2022 as markets transition from higher rates to the next stages of the uh, policy cycles, which you know, could ultimately show significant uh, cross-country differences. So uh, this is going to be our last Macro Minutes episode of 2022, and we will look to connect again uh, early next year. But between now and then, uh, stay tuned to our publications or reach out to us uh, directly in the interim for additional uh, insights. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.